0: Accessing library computer data.
1: Out there, there are no saints. Just people.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to our coverage of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We are up to the fifth episode of the third season. It's called Second Skin. Second skin, a lot of S's there. It is the uh, first aired on October 24th, 1994. It was written by Robert Hewitt Wolf, directed by Les Landau. And in this episode, Kira is kidnapped by the Cardassians, who try to convince her that she is really one of them. We joined by
1: Clay. Clay, how are you? I'm good. Um, This episode raises a very important question for me, which is, does this episode confirm that the writers of Star Trek Discovery watched Deep Space 9 or does it confirm that they did not watch Deep Space 9
2: so you think that that entire uh, show is an homage to this episode
1: <laughs> I think that might be a little too strong of a word um, <laughs> i i don't know i it's <clears throat> let's put it this way in in uh, deep space 9 they rightly so wrapped that all up in one episode yes
2: right yeah it didn't uh, didn't stretch it out were you yeah so you realized once Kira got turned
1: that it was still Kira on the, <laughs> the on the other side. Yeah, I, I had a feeling that they weren't going. to... I mean, I, as it was going, I was kind of hoping they were going to go the other way with it and have her be like uh uh total recall it basically where it's like, "Uh, ah, I don't really believe you. It's probably true, but I'm going to live my new life now." Yeah, right, right. right. Uh that would have been interesting. Um but yeah, I mean, obviously they were going to go back to the way it was before. But uh, yeah, it was shockingly similar to what they did on uh on discovery yeah. except yep. for the fact that um, the process seemed to be a lot less uh, uh, invasive yeah. yeah if you're the same size I guess it's a little bit easier than cutting down your yeah. bones and whittling out <laughs> your heart or
2: whatever but anyway we're gonna uh, take a break I'm gonna play an audio clip and me and Claire are gonna come back and break down second
0: skin do you remember when you were on long range reconnaissance in the bestry woods you thought you saw a Cardassian soldier and opened fire on him you hit your target only to find out I killed a harakat. cat huh a mother, Haraket, who was nursing her young. How do you know that? I never told anyone that story. I know about it because we placed that story in your memories, Iliana. just like we gave you every other memory you have. What we couldn't extract from the real Kira we got from other prisoners or just invented ourselves. Ask yourself two things, Iliana. First, is there anything that I've said we've done that's beyond the capabilities of the obsidian order? I assume you know there isn't. Second, if you're not my operative, if you're not who I say you are, why would I be playing this game?
2: So, Clay, it actually, uh, the first draft of this episode featured O'Brien in the Kira role um he was going to learn that for the past 20 years he had he was a robot he had been a uh he was a cardassian undercover spy and that the real miles o'brien had been kidnapped and he had been altered into him and implanted with his memories and so the entire thing of uh the series history with o'brien would have been he was actually a cardassian they didn't like that Uh, they had a hard time figuring out how he could have a fully human child if he was a Cardassian. <laughs> um, so they abandoned that. They turned it into Kira. And the first drafts of the Kira episode actually had what you were hoping was going to happen. It was going to end with ambiguity as to whether or not she was Cardassian
1: or not. That's ballsy. They should have done that.
2: They should have done that. Um, and it's very inspired. But you were saying Total Recall. It was inspired by Philip K. Dick, which is it's the, mm-hmm. what, what Androids dream or whatever that, that sort of story that he had is, which I think is the Total Recall.
1: No, No, that's Blade Runner.
2: Total, oh, Total okay. Recall
1: is called Total Recall, right? And the, yeah, the Blade, um, Runner's Blade based Runner on... is Blade Runner is do androids dream of electric sheep? Yes, which is a great title.
2: <laughs> um, so that would have been that would have been interesting. This being Star Trek, it can't go quite that far.
1: Um, I'm I'm kind of surprised that they. I I hope somebody nixed that pretty quickly with the O'Brien stuff because it like that doesn't make any sense. Why would you use him? I mean, Kira makes so much more sense.
2: It's a. Um, it ties into the trope that they've got here of O'Brien is the character who, when an episode needs to have someone suffer, they usually stick <laughs> o- O'Brien into that role. Um, it's because, yeah. it's actually kind of a trope they call it O'Brien must suffer. But the oh, Kiro really? okay. works Kiro works better here, and o- O'Brien had also had whispers, which is kind of the same idea yeah, of yeah, him yeah. being replaced. Uh, it,
1: it just, I just think it writes itself so much easier if you use Kira because I mean all of the all of the tension is built into her character. Yes, yeah. You know, whereas O'Brien, you have to be like, well, okay, who gives a shit that he's like it, it's 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 you have to do a lot more thread connecting with O'Brien than you do with Kira.
2: Yeah, he's well. O'Brien kind of has the O'Brien is like second in in uh, the second character you think of when you think of Cardassian hatred. I guess they kind of mm-hmm. they've worked that into his character, but Kira is obviously much more thematically appropriate for it, in yeah. my opinion. So it's, it's right that
1: it's her. Um, it's easier to set up a backstory, too, because, you know, she, we only know as much about her as she has said right. on the show. Yep. So it's easy to kind of fabricate stuff or, you know, quote-unquote fabricate stuff.
2: It would also cause you to go back through with the entire of TNG and realize that that yeah. is a Cardassian spy in the right, entire time right. that you've been watching that, which is kind of upsetting.
1: Um, I hope that writer who came up with that idea was fired this is stupid (laughs) that's a stupid idea (laughs) um the let's see here so
2: second skin you haven't watched all of the star trek ds9 season three episodes so far but what
1: what are you talking about
2: the um season three has been interesting every episode to this point including the next one that we're going to talk about which is the abandoned has to do with identity um you saw Mm. the search which is odo coming to terms with his sort of role uh, and his identity, the abandoned will further flesh that out. We had House of Quark, which is about Quark sort of assuming a mantle that he doesn't really deserve. Equilibrium was about figuring out what Dax is all about, and Second Skin is about um, Kira figuring out what it is. But I think it's—I don't know. This is a this is a very well written episode. I think that doesn't particularly grab me, and I think it, what it actually what I'm actually interested in it about the episode is not what the plot is really implying on some level. I like the, Mm -hmm. I like the character interactions between Kira and I really like the Legat uh, Cardassian character, the father character. Mm -hmm. And I I think that it works. I'm glad the episode doesn't really focus too much on the mystery of what's going on. And it's much more of a character story and figuring out Mm -hmm. the, uh, the, what everyone perceives on themselves. I think it's well-written because almost every storyline is about someone being different than what their perception is. Yeah. Um, which, because Garrick is heavily involved, it's unclear what he's doing. Odo transforms into a suitcase at the very end, which, you know, so that he's like (laughs) literally, he's literally different. Kira is kind of trying to figure out where uh, she stands and everything like that. I think it's all the story and even the, um, their plot to get to Cardassia involves them pretending to be a ship. That's not what it is. Mm -hmm. so I I think it's well-written and I think it's thematically interesting. It doesn't really grab me too much, although I think it, I think it's very solid. So uh, how did you feel about it? Did you enjoy it more than I did? Or are you, uh, the same, same thing?
1: I actually liked it quite a bit. Um, I mean, I, I think I'm a little bit, uh, uh, biased because this was basically, you, you change a couple characters and this becomes an episode of the prisoner more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well actually kind of literally was an episode of the prisoner, I think. um, but uh yeah no I really liked it I I thought the uh the character stuff was really good I thought I felt like it was a uh fell into the the Star Trek trap of we have a really solid A plot and the B plot is just sort of like a bunch of guys on their way to help fit, wrap up the A plot yeah yeah um and I didn't really think there was a lot going on there the Garrick stuff was pretty good but just overall it was kind of uh you know it's like just watching guys travel yes um Although I did really like how, for some reason, on their mission, everybody showed up in uniform except Cisco. Cisco decided to go business casual for some reason, <laughs> and he's, um, its not—he
2: he wears a much better outfit in the uh, the next episode, which I was hoping to talk about too. But yeah, he—he's um, his civilian clothing is in Star Trek lineage of being bizarre and un, not understandable. About yeah, why people and wear it was so
1: it. strange because they come into the scene and he's just—he's there in his you know uh, away. You know, uh casual clothes. I'm like, oh, okay, it's one of those missions. And then they pan around and everybody else is still in Starfleet <laughs> uniform. I guess he thought he had a very different understanding of what this mission was gonna be, I guess. I like um, I like the
2: I don't mind that storyline. You'll you learn a little bit about Garrick. Um for some reason it Garrick feels a little bit off for me. It feels like he feels mm-hmm. that he's more trapped than he actually is. I, I know that they lay a plot, like and they lay sort of a A blackmail expectation out of him but it kind of catches me a little bit off guard of how ill prepared garrick is to get around it on some Mm. level although i understand him going and being there i like the fact that he kills the guy at the very end my favorite moment might be the fact that in the final scene garrick related it might be the uh, the last scene where the the fatherly cardassian tells kira to never trust garrick Yeah, Um, He doesn't really explain anything outside of that. He just says he's a man who can't be trusted.
1: Um, Yeah, um, I'm wondering if I'm going to have a problem with him coming up. Because from what I've seen, um, this episode especially, it seems like he can be a bit of a crutch. uh, Because all you need to do with Garrick to insert him into a, a story and make him interesting is like... He has to know some obscure piece of Cardassian knowledge that he, you know, nobody realizes he knows so he can get around something. And then at the end, someone says, by the way, don't trust that guy. Like, it's it. Yep. it I can see them using him as sort of like a. Uh, a get a writing out of jail free. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, oh, we're in this situation that oh, kid of Cardassians, how are we ever going to do this? And then he's like, well, I know a guy. And then he says, some, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yep, yep. I don't know how often they're going to do that. And then, you know, and if you, if you bookend it with, you know, uh, do not trust this man, then it, it's, it's very evocative. Um, however, it's also
2: the plot of that leads you to why not on some level? Like, I right. I, I think the, the plot for him here suffers a little bit, just, it's not really a plot. He's kind of a device used here, but he doesn't, for what he does, I don't feel the reason he does it is strong enough. You know what I mean? Like they, they say yeah. that we won't let you stay on Deep Space Nine, which is maybe kind of important because if he's kicked off the station, he's under... He's. We learned that he's on the station because it's a safe haven for him. Like he, he can't be touched there really. So that's the reason mm-hmm. why he's staying there. And that, I mean, that, that makes sense on paper. It just feels flimsy when I watch the episode that that's the reason he goes through everything. I feel like he should have more of a personal stake and it even though that is very personal it's, it's weird maybe i'm a little bit off and being too hard on it but that's the sense that i got from it
1: well <clears throat> the other the flip side to what i was saying actually is it makes it a little bit be- it more believable for him to just kind of do stuff without too much understanding of why he's doing it um because you can never quite be sure exactly what his his motivations are which Again, it's a good thing and a bad thing. It makes him interesting and kind of uh, uh, <clears throat> mysterious on some level, but it also could be used as a crutch.
2: You know. You know what I think is he's he's actually. I don't think you saw the preview. He's actually. We've seen him kill a, a small handful of people, which is <laughs> which is kind of interesting because he. Maybe we did see it in the wire, but I, I feel like outside of the wire, you don't get a truly. I don't get a truly. Are you supposed to get more of a sense of Garrick is deeply terrifying? You know what I mean. Do you think that? Well, he... I
1: mean, anybody who can get the drop on Stringer Bell is pretty terrifying. <laughs>
2: the um, you, like, should he have more? He kind of breaks here a little bit where Cisco has the line, "Mr. Garrick, that's the only truthful thing you've ever said to me." Where Garrick says that I will leave you all behind if anything goes wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do you do you feel that you need more? I feel like you kind of need maybe more of that, and that his his facade of this pleasantness to me feels almost too much of the character. I feel like the facade should be cracking a little bit more, at least occasionally so that you Mm -hmm. see a really terrifying Garrick underneath it because he kills very quickly. He like, he'll kill at the drop of a hat, you know? Right.
1: Yeah. No, I I would agree with that. I, I, I enjoy that. Um, I think those characters are the most interesting characters, uh, in a situation like this. Like I, I, I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this before. Maybe I haven't. Um, I think having that one character whose allegiance you can never truly understand, who does have an edge, adds so much to a show like this, where you have basically a group of people who are all on the same side. Uh, I The 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 uh, reference I always use for this, because it's the first time that I really recognized it as a child, was, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Transformers Beast Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, the CGI after school special. Yes, yeah, it was great. Uh, doesn't really hold up too much on rewatch. Um, but there, you know, you had all your Autobot animals and all your Decepticons were dinosaurs. And in the first yeah. episode, one of the dinosaur Decepticons switches sides and becomes and starts hanging out with the Autobots, but you never, they never fully trust him and you never really fully trust him. He always ends up playing for the good guys, but you're never entirely sure that that's what he's going to do. And he adds a little bit of edge to everything. And I think those characters are great. And I think Garrick yeah, he, the, um, giving him more of an edge, I think only would help the character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if necessarily he needs to start killing everybody, but you know, having, I guess having him do that shows that he will do it and won't hesitate to do it, which makes him that much more dangerous, I guess.
2: It, it, it kind of, um, it seems like it's a Cardassian trait to like the, the Cardassians are not above sort of Uh, killing people who are going to interfere with them they're very um this is not the first time we've seen cardassia but they're really leaning heavily into the cardassians are basically george orwell's 1984 in space um it's it's very you you get a sense of it here there's the uh the obsidian order which is like their sort of covert cia uh Discap- Discapo, why can't I say the word? Distapo. Okay, well, Dis- fuck it. Dispatcho. Dispatcho. It's a pink soup that's served with ice. Um, but the, uh, in the, there's a dissident faction. There's the military, there's the obsidian order, and then within there, there's a dissident faction that's trying to sort of take away power from both of them on some level, or at least from the mm-hmm. obsidian order. Mm-hmm. So, There's that kind of thing going on. The Cardassians are always laying plots for each other. You had a... You had mentioned in the Cardassians episode, which is in season two, that the Cardassians are always willing to go for a long con on somebody. They they plot very, very intricately to hope things go well. What did you think of the Cardassian plot here? And that'll kind of tie into Kira if you want to go off in that direction. What did you think of the plot? Was it as ridiculous as the Ducat plot in Cardassians where he waited for a decade to finally nail this guy that he didn't like? Or did you think it was a little bit more realistic?
1: It's not quite as ridiculous as that but it it does fall in line with their uh they're very creative in the way that they interrogate people this is uh um equally as mind fucky as the there are four lights those are Cardassians, right
2: yes which is also yeah.
1: orwell you like that's a direct yeah, right. ripoff of orwell yeah um it's equally as as uh, uh messes with your mind as much but it's a little bit more f- <laughs> there's a little bit more finesse involved it's like they've, they've kind of refined their uh, methods of fucking with you and just to be a little bit more creative. Like, they're getting bored with the light thing. So then they <laughs> have the one creative guy who's like, well, I have this new technology, you know. Um, but no, I, I liked it. I, I thought it was good. And, and to kind of to go off of what you were saying about how you like the character stuff more than the plot, I think that's what makes the plot work so well, is that the character stuff is really good, and it's not just... A mystery of what's going on they're letting you kind of sit in it and you're they're letting kira kind of work through like there's a certain point where they just stop like they stop pushing forward on the mystery basically and they just let her marinate in in what it could possibly mean that she is this is a cardassian cardassian yep um and I thought it was great that they did a nice turn on it at the end where, you know, it's not it's not just that they were fucking with her. They were actually fucking with this guy, which I thought was was uh, was a great little turn, because um, usually the, the endings to these types of plots are, are pretty, you know, uh, you see them, you know what they are, but you enjoy them anyway. So seeing that I was surprised by that. So I like that. I thought that was good.
2: I like the fact that he um, it kind of ruins that guy's life too, on a sense. Yeah. Like, the Cardassian yeah. military, actually, or the Obsidian Order actually succeeds in some way at what they wanted to do. They got him out of the right. Dissident Order. So, it, it's... I, it, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's, I, um, I, I mean, the... I think that it works in the the character stuff makes you sort of skip over the fact that it's a little ridiculous that kira looks exactly like his true daughter as a great like that's that's a little bit absurd but i think that the if if like you were saying if it's stuck to the mystery aspect i think you would just end the episode going that's absurd like this is just a ridiculous episode how could that happen but because they distract you with some solid characterization i don't really care about that problem as much
1: yeah yeah and it's 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 different from say the way that they handle that stuff in like the prisoner because you kind of go in to the prisoner understanding that a what they're doing is ridiculous and b, that part of what they're doing is leaning into the ridiculousness like it's everybody in the village is believing how is committing to believing the ridiculousness which is why it fucks with six so much. Mm-hmm. But in Star Trek, it's like, yeah, there's, this, there's a little bit more of a, a, a little bit shorter leash on your suspension of disbelief for some of that stuff. So ha- the fact that she looks just like her, his daughter is a little bit weird. However, yeah. <laughs> I would like to, to comment on the level of mutual denial that Kira and the father both have at the end there when they're like, you know what? I hope she's out there somewhere just living her best life. And Kira's like, you know what? I bet she is out there. She's dead. You saw her body. There's no way that dead body wasn't his daughter. That's The the dead body that they show her that looks just like her (laughs) and is a Bajoran (laughs) has to be the daughter, right? I I would
2: think so. They don't, I guess they don't really clarify. I would have to think so, but I don't know.
1: They obviously don't say it or anything, but I mean, like, if you put the pieces together, his daughter is dead and you saw her.
2: Sure, and do you think that that's maybe why? Is that what caused the Obsidian order to have to go with the Kira plot? Would you think? Oh, I don't know. I don't like, know. It, I, does, it doesn't matter. But
1: I just thought I just thought it was a, a, a funny detail where it's like they're talking wistfully about this girl who's probably still out there. And it's like, well, if you're using all the evidence they gave you within this one episode, there's a solid chance she is dead. Interesting. I
2: actually didn't even, because I took them at their word that, or Akira kind of throws out the, she's like, maybe it's a clone or something. I was like, oh, maybe it's a clone. And I, I won't it's, think about it. That's
1: also a long game, but there was a, was a big shortcut to the end point there if they just killed the daughter. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, she didn't even have to be killed by them. I mean, you know. she might Yeah, just they could have just found her. Yeah. Th- that's fan what fan I mean. fiction. That's what I mean with the check if, my fan fiction site if, if for Obsidian, what happened to the daughter.
2: <laughs> if the Obsidian Order found out that that person had died, and then they went to the Kira plot as like a backup way to get yeah. him or something, I I could see that happening. But
1: I mean, they they do use they do mention that uh, uh, they use Kira because if they did use the daughter, then she would have just started playing playing ball. Um, yes, right. And that would have you know broken the the illusion they were going for. But um Yep. Yeah, I mean my mind is on her being dead, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's and also it it's funny that they it would it would have tied into the identity thing better if Kira was unsure if she was a Cardassian at the end because if, say she's alive, right, we'll just assume that they're wrong and it's, that dead body was a clone or something. If the Cardassian is alive, she's living a life as a Bajoran at this point until the Cardassians find her and sort of re-trigger mm-hmm. her brain thing. So mm-hmm. that would have fit more thematically with Kira just sort of, If she was unsure of what was going on, she would have just had to end the episode going forward saying, this is my life now. And since this is what it is now and this is all that I remember, this is what I just have to live with. And that would be the Cardassian girl living as a Bajoran being unsure of who
1: she actually is. Right, right. I was was kind of uh, disappointed that um, in the video that the girl made for herself before she went under surgery. Very total <laughs> totally yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie Ronnie at himself. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was sad Ronnie Cox didn't show up and just start smoking a cigar and laughing at her. <laughs> That's the best start part of Total Rico
2: when he's laughing at himself, which is a great yeah. uh, a great thing. Um so it's about identity. A lot of DS9's third season has every episode has been about identity to this point. Um it's a cynical episode, I think, on some level, it's not as cynical as the abandoned would get, but it's a um it's a it the show is very interested with appearances, right, which ties into the the criticism of the Star Trek universe that the show is doing is also based on the identity of it, so it's sort of a mm-hmm. meta commentary there. The writers are very interested in showing the underside of what people are actually thinking whether it's the federation or it's just these character interactions or it's these character stories uh they surprisingly it doesn't really dig deep into kira's reaction to this which i think is maybe one of a fundamental fundamental flaw of the episode i don't think it's bad but i don't feel you spend a lot of time with kira coming to grips with what this might mean um surprisingly do would you disagree with that
1: no, I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I, I think overall, I, I felt like the ending was a little bit lacking um, from the the way that they wrap up. You know, how they rescue her and even just the wrap up in general. Like the scene with her and the and the dad was good, but yeah, they didn't really give her any any time to kind of uh, um, deal with everything that had happened.
2: I mean, you, you they shot it in the foot by making it that she is clearly not a Cardassian. Bashir's like, well, he gave me the test, and he said, I'm 100% Bajoran and not a Cardassian. So once they do that, it makes you—she doesn't have any time to reflect on it because it doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. Um, and during the whole captivity thing, she is very— the only point she comes close to breaking is when that final interrogation scene where she's sort of like her like face is quivering and she doesn't want to answer the questions about the Federation ships in the sector or whatever he's asking
1: her. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the you know what they could have done that would have been kind of interesting as an ending is if. Uh, if they had a, a line or something about. Um, uh, uh the reversal, surgical reversal of the Cardassian thing was going to take a couple days or something. So she kind of had to sit with it. Oh, yeah. So right. sh- they they get to do that last scene with her and the father where she's still looking like a Cardassian. And then after that, they can get maybe like a little beat of her looking her. in a mirror. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That, that would have been because. You, you don't get. To, which is, it's funny because of what the episode is about, it actually turns into more of a drama about the father and daughter relationship
1: yeah, than mm-hmm.
2: anything. It, it kind of switches it, which which is funny because I like that stuff. I like that storyline. I think it's really effective, but it's not what the episode sets out as, and it's not really what you think it's going to do, but it ends up that way. Um, continues the Kira learning that not all Cardassians are bad sort of thing for her, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is fine that sounds a little bit dismissive i think kira is actually probably the strongest character on the show at this point in terms of what they want to do with her and i think the the actress has really come a long way since the first season in emissary where emissary was kind of rough it's like ooh this is not yeah. this is not good but she's she's in a good place right now
1: yeah i think i think i've probably said this already but she she's my favorite character on the show right yeah. now yeah um i think she her acting is really strong and what they're doing with her is interesting as long as they keep her away from that you know bajoran boyfriend
2: yeah the bajoran the boring bajoran males that she tends to fall for which is yeah. um we could probably talk about it well, next time that happens we'll have to discuss why uh, she's doing this thing what's her what's the draw there or what the writer draw would be <laughs> um let's see here is there anything else to say i mean did you did you have anything you wanted to talk about before we go to final thoughts um i don't think so i
1: think we pretty much covered it
2: i think it's It it reminds me a little bit of TNG's uh, "Face of the Enemy," which is one where Troy gets turned into a Romulan. Except, I think it's more interesting because in the TNG episode, Troy knows the entire time that she is not a Romulan and that it's all a a game being played.
1: Is there? Sorry, finish your thought
2: before. No, I'm. I'm, I'm, It's just this is um this is the more interesting idea. I just wish that the show lingered with it a little bit more than it does. Is
1: there a a Twitter account? that is a bot that randomly generates star trek plots probably because everything you just said sounded like something you could have just made up off the top of your head <laughs> about the
2: troy episode you yeah mean? yeah uh
1: because there's a there's one that i that i follow that unfortunately i think they need to add some new stuff into it because it repeats a lot um but it's a marvel a marvel comics plot generator mm-hmm. and it's it's really great it's it's always like uh um the X, X-Force stops fighting the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants to have a barbecue or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a, a modern-day
2: Seinfeld, too, which is probably is kind of the same oh, thing. Oh, that's, that's pretty good, That yeah. seems a little bit more uh, custom-made than maybe a bot would be, but it's it's uh, I have, some sort of idea.
1: I have recently discovered the other TNG or Star Trek-related Twitter accounts that I really enjoy. Um, one of them is, uh, like, Captain Picard's Words of Wisdom or something, and the other yes. one is... Uh, Riker go- Riker's Google yeah Riker's googling just, where the, the other one I just I kind of stopped in my tracks and chuckled the other day because it it was just shwarma for and Riker I just, yeah I found yeah. it really really funny that Riker would have to would Google what shwarma is
2: <laughs> the Riker's googling is funny because he kind of reacts to modern things like yes, you yeah. know so it's like he it's i uh, I I don't know what it has to do with Riker at some point but sometimes it is very funny like the uh Anytime there's a sexual scandal in politics, he'll tweet about it, which which is fitting, I think, for that yep. uh, for the yep. gimmick. I would
1: like to say when I was watching, I was going through the uh, clicking on the next episode to watch, and I just kind of scroll, looked down at the bottom of my screen. One of the icons was cut off about three quarters of the way up. Yeah, but I saw I saw a certain pair of eyes, and I was like, "Oh, hello." you're talking about I know, Rike, I, know, Riker. I know who's I know who's top third of a head that is I'm looking yeah. forward to that episode <laughs> he's coming up he's coming up he makes his appearance um
2: let's see here so I think we're done with second skin we're gonna take a break play an audio clip and me and Clay will come back we'll read some patron thoughts and we'll give our final thoughts and then we will call it a day.
0: here it doesn't belong to me I can't keep it no i want you to have it you may not be my daughter but until i find iliana you're the closest thing i have to family i want you to know something in spite of whatever i might have said i realize now
2: you're an honorable man
0: And I think your daughter must have loved you very much.
2: Alright, Clay, so patron thoughts. We will do that right now. Excuse me, sorry. If you uh, support the show at patreon.com slash the you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes that get read on the show. We'll react to them. Zam Nuclear Wessel writes, Second Skin, great stuff, continuing the Kira and cardassians thread from Duet into others going forward. Also new evidence that Garrick doesn't know what a stun setting is. <laughs> um the yeah I, yeah well we talked about garrick i don't think i need to go in it to him at this point uh christian potch says second skin great character work Kira is great Ntech is really slimy gomor convinces me as a concerned parent garrick does garrick things that said i wonder how easy it is to fool people in the future how good are the holodecks can people tell the difference if not how can you know if anything is ever real um which is true, although I think mm-hmm. you could say the same thing about reality as we exist in it, right? You, you, there's always the uh, philosophical idea that we're all in a simulation and we just don't know it at this point. How would you know it?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, I always wondered what, like, the, the other side of that argument is. Like, all right, let's say you're correct for, for a second here. Why and who's doing it? Right. Well, I mean, if you're, if you're religious, isn't God just running a simulation? That's true. Uh, Well, I don't know. Is it a simulation? If well, uh, we're this is getting too deep. (laughs) Because
2: because stuff actually exists in the holodeck, right? Like you can't exist off the holodeck, but it's uh, a
1: but holodeck characters only work within the parameters that they're programmed, right? So they don't exactly have free will,
2: right? But I think yeah, you could argue that people don't have free will either. I think which is well, you know,
1: I mean. Clearly, the amount of times that history repeats itself, there's only a certain, there's only a finite number of options in the in the programmed <laughs> into the system.
2: <laughs> it's it's basically the Matrix thing. And where it's the world always just for some reason,
1: it I don't know if it's the algorithm that they programmed, but it always ends up on racism, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, well, it's easy. It's a nice fallback to do. Even Star Trek will fall back into racism.
2: Miles O'Brien, he hates the Cardassians, although. Is O'Brien racist? Well, I think DS9 actually changed that because they introduced Cardassians that are good people. <laughs> but like, is it is, in the TNG universe? Is it racist to hate a group based on the, if all the people of that group are that way? Is that racist to dislike if they're like, if they act in a very bad way? Is it racist to dislike them? Uh, um, ooh, man.
1: Asking the tough questions here today.
2: <laughs> you know how like the Italians are too loud and stuff in real life. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Second skin. Matthew Ross says, what a long play to weed out a dissident. Doesn't seem worth it for the Cardies to do this ridiculous subterfuge. They could have used anyone, a low-level person. But num- the number two at the most visible presence of conflict in the area? Idiots. And you'd think that once the Defiant gets close to Cardassia, someone would have said, hey, look, isn't that a Federation ship? Th- that My pro- biggest problem with the episode is actually the
1: break-in. They do this
2: a lot on DS9 where people just appear to rescue yeah. people in situations that they shouldn't be able to do.
1: Yeah, I didn't like that. I mean, that was... that." felt very early TNG to me where it's just like, well, we need them to wrap this up. So we're just going to have them be there. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's, it's tough. Cause it's like them breaking into the Cardassian wherever they were, could have been its entire own episode, you know? So yep. it's, uh, you gotta, I guess you gotta kind of pick your battles, but uh, they it, don't... It, it does make their ending feel rushed and kind of just like a little too clean.
2: Interestingly, <laughs> they don't use the defiance cloaking device here. They're sticking to that rule of only using it in the Gamma Quadrant, mm. which this seems like a, a prime time to use it, I would think. Um, and if it had used the cloaking device, I'd have less of a problem with them getting to Cardassia. Right, right. Yeah, it's just it's just odd. They had to they had to work in the whole second skin idea of the, uh, the ship looking like someone else, which is funny. Yeah. Um, it seems there are about 12 Cardassians on the entire planet, so they might have missed it. The best part of the episode is the conversation between Garrick and Sisko, as well as Garrick's sudden ability to manipulate the central command, whatever else he's connected to. Oh, and Odo's belt. Why does he need one? It must be Renee hiding craft services too much, hitting the craft services too much. <laughs> this also feels similar to the Frame of Mind episode of TNG of anyone not being what it seems episode from any of the franchise's past and future Voyager episodes.
1: And only 18... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna. I was just thinking about the episode. How does Odo get into the place as a briefcase? Get into what place? Into the end there, where he, where they, when they, uh, when they all show up to save Kira. He's oh, already there. Oh, someone throws him.
2: Oh, <laughs> he. I think. I think Garrick runs in and throws him on the ground.
1: <laughs> sure. <laughs> which, which <laughs>
2: Which, again, brings up the plot busting of how does Odo's mass change when yeah. he transforms? He should well, it's be the, the same, same way.
1: It's the same way Megatron turns into a pistol. Right, and the other robots pick him up. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> that's going to be a heavy-ass pistol. <laughs> um,
2: let's see. Only a tangential reminder. Hey, you know the Dominion is coming. Yes, and that's why no one is buying custom suits. We're all back safe now. Whew. So that's that's actually what I wanted to end uh I don't think there's another. Is there a second skin? Let me read Neil's thing first. Uh, the final scene's a little hammy, but up to that, this was fantastic. The second Odo, Garrick, and Sisko set off on their adventure. It found a new gear for me, uh, which is interesting. I actually don't like their little adventure, but I do think it's a good episode. Um, maybe wouldn't say if it's fantastic, but I think it's it's very very strong. Uh, so thank you, Neil. But the the thing I wanted to ask you, Clay, is that as um since you're unfamiliar with how DS Nine works. And before this, you had led into the three-parter, which was the Jemadar to the search, where it seemed like it was more serialized. This is taken a step back a little bit. This is more of Mm -hmm. a standalone episode of Star Trek. However, the reference to the Dominion, what they've done in all the episodes since then is that they constantly reference the fact that the Dominion are out there and the station is kind of suffering from it. Like business is bad for Quark and Garrick is how Mm -hmm. they work around it. Um what did you think? Did you notice it when they brought it up or what did you, is it, is it what you'd expected, I guess,
1: would be the way to describe it. I think it's great. Um, I think doing it that way is, is totally fine and I really enjoy it because it does, it allows you to do sort of standalone episodes without sacrificing the new status quo that you've, you've uh, set up. Um, and it keeps the, keeps the threat always looming and it makes everything, it makes even the throwaway episodes, I, I shouldn't say throwaway episodes, but the, 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 um, the episodes
2: that they, you feel they just kind of had to make cause they needed an episode to come out is yeah. kind of how I think about it. It yeah. makes
1: even those ones feel like they're important to the story, you know, yep. like the next one uh is kind of that way, which we'll talk about there but I, I was i i was very happy with the way that they they uh they tied it in to everything yeah yeah um it 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 took a well we'll get to that in the next one yeah but um
2: the, so i know that you know when you when when you ended the search, you were kind of like oh it'll be interesting to see how it goes forward and it, i think that Season three, I mentioned this at the time, season three actually suffers a little bit from this. They aren't as focused as they will be in the next couple seasons about what the storyline that's going through is. Three Mm -hmm. feels like they recognize that the Dominion is out there, but they're stalling because they don't know what to do with it. So they kind of just mention them in a lot of Mm -hmm. episodes. Um, That'll change, but I, I think it's fairly... Effective, and I like the idea of business on the station not being good. I like the fact that no one's coming to Deep Space Nine because of what could potentially happen to them. Yeah,
1: uh, and I, I I like that it uh um, you know you can't. So when you're when you're watching a series that is all plot 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 plot, there's there's inevitably the one episode where they take their foot off the gas, and that episode always feels like out of place. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you recognize it for what it is. Yeah, but by the same token, I think it kind of, it kind of shows that you can't you can't just keep, you can't keep your foot on the gas the whole time. You got to kind of back it off a little bit. Yeah. And so, I mean, not every episode is gonna if you're if you're chronicling people's lives on the space station, not every episode is going to be about the Dominion attacking or something, but right. that's always going to be out there. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a smart way to do it. And I think it's a uh, realistic way to do it where it's, yeah, not everything is going to be about, you know, fighting the Dominion. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that there were, uh, I'm sure there were plenty of, plenty of stories from World War II era world that, right. uh, don't involve bombing raids or, you know, uh, uh, Nazis or anything.
2: You woke up and you had been surgically altered into a German. And yeah, you were like, exactly. what, is, what is going on? Yeah. Um, that's about it, I think. So, thank you guys for leaving your thoughts. Clay, what are you going to give this episode on our scale here? I'm...
1: I think I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Because it's tough for me. Because I really like the Kira stuff. But the B-plot doesn't really do it for me. But I like the Kira stuff enough that I would probably... I would probably recommend it if on like a second tier of, of episodes. I'd be like, you know what? If you like this character, watch this episode. So I'd probably give it a four.
2: Yeah, I think I'll give it a three. Although I think it's... The three does disservice to how strong I think it is. I think it's... I think it's good. I think it misses the mark a little bit about what I would want it to be talking about or have its focus be on. It kind of shifts it to the Kira and the Cardassian uh, relationship, the father-daughter mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the play on identity and all that stuff. I think it works well there. It's just a... I don't... I, like, to spoil it a little bit, I think that this is a better episode than The Abandoned, but I'd rather watch The Abandoned. You know what I mean? Interesting. Okay um so we'll, we'll get you just, to that you just have a thing for dabo girls <laughs> who doesn't they have gigantic titties um <laughs> so let's uh we'll call it we'll call it a day right now but thank you guys for uh supporting the show you can go to all the, the social media links will be in the description uh you can go to patreon.com slash if you want to support the show you get extra podcasts and you get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes um let's see here anything else the discord channel go there if you want to do that that's about it clay thank you very much for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: And uh, the shout-out to the patrons. So the Captain Tier patrons get their little shout-out at the end here. It is Stephen Cobb, Andrew Curalog, Matthew Cutler, Spinobi, Eric Johnson, Nathan Elliott, Ewan Tibbetts, Decker Sebastiani, Neil Brennan, Carrier Mobility, Doug Valkamp, Michael Pond, Bradley Killens, Rune Vendler, Jay Stanley, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango, Tariq Latif. Guys, thank you very much make the show possible. Um, since we're a little bit short on time here, I'm going to call it uh, with the non sequitur. We won't do that. Maybe we'll do it at the end of the next episode, but we'll be back in a couple days with the Abandoned.